It gives me great pleasure to uh, welcome Kitty and John from the band St. Agnes. Welcome, guys. Hi. Hey, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. Um, yeah, uh, like I said before before I hit record, um, obviously we're here to talk about your album. I'm just going to tell you, everyone, it's very good. Bloodsuckers, go, you know, uh, find it now. It's out now. It's been out for a couple of weeks now. Is that right? Uh, yes, 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 two weeks now. Yeah. Two weeks today. Yeah. Yeah. Nice, nice. Well, um, yeah, I just want to get, like, I mean, I first sort of, I'd heard of you guys before. The first time I saw you live was recently. Um, mm-hmm. Saw you at Takedown Festival. I was there representing Total Rock. Uh, you played mm-hmm. the Total Rock stage, um, yeah. which was awesome. Um, totally, it was, I, I mean, I think I've got a bunch of videos and photos from it and stuff. But um, no, really, really enjoyed your set. I was I was like, I genuinely, I, I love crossover music where it's like metal and electronic music. Mm-hmm. Like that's one of my, like, like, so you guys see the Akira, Wargasm, um, all that lot who in, like just introduce that kind of like kind of punky electronic music, if you will. Yeah. Or anything, you know, along those veins. Um, and I've always loved that being a DJ it's, and I love playing rock music at the rock clubs, but I also love playing like drum and bass, electronic yeah. house music, yeah. stuff like that. Uh, and I love when it crosses over because it just makes my sets yeah. far more enjoyable for myself. Maybe not for yeah. the people listening, but far more enjoyable for myself. Um, but yeah, um, you guys totally blew me away at that at that show. Thank you. Um, Thank you. I, I really enjoyed your your prodigy cover as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that. kind of been a main staple of the set since then. That's yeah, been a lot of fun. Nice. Are you planning on releasing that at all? Just out of, uh, maybe, maybe. maybe. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that in a bit. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, like I said, your your new album's out now. It's called Bloodsuckers. It's your second album. Um, mm-hmm. The first one was um, Welcome to Silvertown, which you mm-hmm. released uh, twenty nineteen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, yeah, twenty nineteen. It feels like a, a lifetime ago. It does. That's why I struggled to <laughs> to kind of place the date because I was going to go. Was it during lockdown? Was it before lockdown? Mm-hmm. Was it? Um, but yeah, I mean, that was a fantastic album, and you've released a whole bunch of singles in between that as well. Um, yeah, well, we did that. The Silvertown album was like we actually wrote that oh, yeah, in like two thousand seventeen. Oh, okay, um, and so yeah, like for us those in-between records, which is um, The Family Strange and Vampire, mm. they formed more of the blueprint of where we are now, I think. And Silvertown yeah. was us kind of cutting our teeth and just kind of a way to get out of London. Yes. Um, and Family Strange and Vampire were the ones that felt like sort of start of, of St. Agnes proper, or like where we are here, like for Bloodsuckers. Yeah. I mean, there's a definite evolution in sound um, between the two. Um, just sort of like just between two albums, obviously you had tracks in between that um, I know I saw, I read in your press release, you have one included with the video game that came out recently as well. Um, yeah. I don't actually have that video game. I'm a huge video game, like mm-hmm. fan, if you will, but I don't have that game and I really want it. So yeah. So how did, how did that come about? I mean, it's dead Island two for everyone that is listening. Um, how how did that like I I know how like sort of sync works and stuff like that. Was yeah. it anything you had kind of like links with the developers or anything, or was it literally just think, through those channels? Yeah, I think it was some. I think it's someone who's like working on the game was a big fan of the band and was just like, I really want to get a St. Agnes song. I think this song would be perfect for like that part of the game. Yeah, um, and it's yeah, it's just a perfect fit. Like, and we didn't when we got like the synopsis of what the game was. It was like this is like a zombie. Mm. slashing video game mm-hmm. and your song is going to be used in like uh one of the end of like boss fights mm-hmm. 
Oh, um, nice. Yeah, we were like, yeah, that's fucking perfect. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But that's obviously, amazing. like, computer games obviously take a long time to develop because yes. like, we got that, we agreed to it ages ago. We'd forgotten mm. about it. By the time it came out, we didn't, it was suddenly, like, out in the world and we're kind of two releases beyond that song. So it's, like, obviously takes a long time from yeah. the original idea to coming out, but it's great that people are finding us in that way. We've had a lot of... People yeah, I discovered the band through that game, which is great. That's really amazing. Cool. Like I said, I've got the first Dead Island game and the sort of like other games they released in between, like the add-on packs and stuff. But yeah, the second yeah. one I haven't got yet, so I have to wait for like Christmas or my birthday or something to get that. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> as you get older, the kids have to buy you games now. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I just it, it's like that's am- that's amazing. I mean, I've had people on my show that have had people like uh, songs in like the adverts for like you know Call of Duty and. Um, mm-hmm. like various other games on that front, but never on the soundtrack itself, which is amazing. Yeah. And I, I, that's one of my like, one of my dreams, or it was to have like either in a like a major movie, like have the yeah. track included with that, or a video game of some kind. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's still time for myself, but it's <laughs> it's amazing that it's happening because and such a like um, from what I gather, it's it's a very good game. Like the ratings yeah, for it have been pretty good, yeah. and and I feel like. I really like when the game and the music choices, you know, like for one of better words, sync yeah. up really organically and it feels good because mm-hmm. people who are playing that game are going to like our band, really. Yeah. It's like a perfect thing for us. Yeah. And it also is cool because I've got a 20 year old cousin and I think he finally respects me. Um, <laughs> so that's been a nice, nice feature. I think he finally understands what it is I do um, or in, in a way that makes sense to him. Yeah. Because, yeah, you know, he likes video games. So yeah. now he, yeah. Yeah. that's been cool as well. Amazing, absolutely <laughs> amazing. I love that. I love that. Um, so yeah, I mean, you up to this album now that you've got out, uh, Bloodsucker. It's out on uh, Spine Farm. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, I, I, was your, your first album was out on Spine Farm as well, wasn't it? Or was it? No, no. was that uh, your no. your own label? Yeah, everything's been our own label up until this. Oh, okay, so how did the relationship with Spine Farm come about? Um, so Spine Farms A and R is a guy called Dante Benuto, um, who is um just an absolute legend from like the rock and metal world to be honest. Yeah. He's, like been around forever. Um and he started coming to our shows like really long time ago. Really, before we released Welcome Silvertown. So you know yeah. like Yeah, long, long, a long time, time ago. Um and the relationship with Dante is just I say relationship, it's a friendship, you know, it's mm. developed since then and to a place of like real mutual respect. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's just, he's an amazing person. And yeah. he, I wouldn't have trusted this record to a major label uh, if Dante hadn't been at the head of that label. Yeah. Um, because, you know, with very DIY, we've done everything ourselves. Yep. We released our own label. The reason we've done that is because we want full creative control over yeah. every aspect of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I just wouldn't would never have signed to a major if uh, it hadn't mm-hmm. been Dante because I, tr- I I wouldn't have trusted anybody with this record in particular because it's yeah. so personal. Yeah. Um. So it's been it's been absolutely like amazing working with a team like Spine Farm. Mm-hmm. Um. We've had full creative control. They trust us. Mm-hmm. You know, we've signed you because we like you. Do yep. you? Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's that's rare. and for us as like artists like some people get into bands and they're happy to just kind of go you know where where things 
take them and, and that's their that's what they get from the band and mm-hmm. if they get signed to a big label and the label like we think you should do a video that looks like this and we're going to pick with this director they're like cool amazing sounds great yeah that's just our way um we would be a nightmare if we were in that situation because we would be like, we don't like that. We don't want to do that. That's yeah. not what we envisage. And people are like, but it's going to be big. And it's like, we don't care about big. We just care about yeah. what the art we want to make. And Spine Farm and Spine Farm and Dante and the whole team there have really trusted us to just do our thing. And that's a dream situation for an artist. Nice. nice. That's a, that is a name from the past for me, Dante. Um, he, he he was behind like signing sixth and everything, wasn't he? To, yeah, um, and, and he's, he he was a he edited Kerrang. He's really yeah. involved with like Ghost and uh, Creeper, and yeah, uh, he was really involved with Metallica in the early days. Yeah. I mean, he's there's yeah, Pantera. There's very few acts of note that he hasn't had at least yeah. some hand kind of in their their process, and it all comes because he's a genuine lover of music. Yeah. Um, and he is bold enough to go, well, I think this is great. So I think it should get pushed yeah. rather than, oh, this is what the market wants right now. You yes. know, he's like, I think this is good. Let's, let's move it forward. And that's again, m- more Dante's please. You know? Yeah. No, that's like I say, that's amazing. I, mean, I remember, I remember chatting to him. It's probably 20 years ago now um, about the same thing. He's an absolutely lovely guy. Um, and yeah. very, like you say, very passionate about music heavy music um and pushing that i mean we had discussions with him at some point um you know not necessarily signings but just sort of you know developmental questions and uh, you know and stuff like that and it was um no it was really good really helpful um he connected us with a few people and um we sort of like we did a lot of diy stuff as well we like like you guys produced ourselves recorded etc written everything and, and like even the videos were down to like our concepts Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, very um, very little input from the two labels that we had. One was a sort of it was more of a distribution deal, so mm-hmm. kind of just to get it out there. The second one was through a label called Anti Culture, um, mm-hmm. which had a little bit of you know had its own things, but couldn't really market us. Yeah, so we had yeah. to like take it upon ourselves to do everything, and then the third one we started our own label and released yeah. off that. So it, it, it's it like you know um, that route I can totally appreciate that you've had as well, and mm. wanting to commit to your own your own vision, your own art. You've not compromised in that no. respect. Like you, like if if you wanted outside input, obviously you can you know you'll take mm-hmm. that input, but it's still got to be your core concepts that that you know, the yeah, breakthrough. Yeah. Um, so. Every, I mean, we film and edit our own videos, everything. Mm. There's not like one bit of this band going out into the world that yeah. we haven't been kind of microscopically involved with, you know. It's because like for us, that's the thing that's satisfying. That's what, you know, our only metric is like, do we love this thing? Yeah. Um, and maybe in the past when we have like listened to outside things and thought, oh, we'll try this or maybe try that because, you know, whoever thinks that might be important. It's not that it's like a bad suggestion or it's not also like ends up being a good song or whatever, but we are just not, we just, we're just not getting that satisfaction from it that we get when, when it's as undiluted us as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's what drives it. It's just like, it's not enjoyable for us if it's not. Because we're trying to express ourselves, and as soon yeah. as anybody else is involved, that's not just your expression; it's 
it's their expression as well. And, yeah, you yeah, know, definitely. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, on this album, you you do have uh, you did work with Sean uh, Bravine as well. It, it was just on one track, wasn't it? Like production. Yeah, Sean, Sean Bevan. Yeah, Bevan. Um, sorry. Yeah. We, so, so we at the beginning of recording this album, we were coming from a really, really difficult emotional time because Kitty had very recently and unexpectedly lost her mum, and it was like her. a kind of period of emotional turmoil. Yeah. That we you know we talked about do we do we want to do this and he was like no i absolutely want to make a record like let's just go ahead i want to capture or use the band and the arts as a way to kind of like express myself and just get all of the grossness out you know and everything the idea that we were now about to start recording an album that felt like a really important time for us felt really daunting and we knew that we wanted to do pretty much everything ourselves with it but like all creative things there's a million different ways that you can take something Mm. and we kind of we all our energy was used up in just trying to get to the starting line each day and so we were like we could do with working on one song to set a blueprint for how we're going to move forward yeah and sean bevan is someone who was really heavily involved with nine inch nails in the period that they were kind of at their most kind of courageous and confrontational yeah um and so we we went to him and we played him um, a song called Follow You, which is on the record. Yeah. And he loved it um, and just gave us absolute confidence. And he was like, everything you've done on this song sounds fucking great. Just keep going. Just what you're doing, just push yourselves even more in that direction and you will hit on what you want to do. Yeah, he, he took all the worry out of it for us because we were like, well, we're putting this out on a major label. Like, you know, do we need to use like a really expensive fancy microphone for example mm-hmm. um and freaking out about that and he said what does sean said what does kitty use live and you go and we're like or whatever it is beat a, beat a 58 yeah. yeah and uh and sean says we use that um and we're like well do we need like a pop shield like what do you what what do you think he's like no just have kitty hold it have her sing you know because that's what she does live that feels natural mm-hmm. um and i think you'll get like authentic you know, raw performance, like doing it that way. Mm-hmm. We're like, fuck it. Like if he says we can do that, mm-hmm. like he's given us permission, like, you know, we've got <laughs> yeah. to do that. We were like, fuck it. That's what we'll do then. Yeah. Um, and it really empowered us. Cause we were, you know, we were daunted. Yeah. Yeah. There's that thing of like, you've done everything ourselves up until that point, but suddenly like the stakes were a lot higher mm. yeah. and there's expectation on you. And it's like, well, if this is going to be, are people expecting this to be really glossy and expensive sounding? We're like, that's not the record we want to make. No. Um, and to have him say, that's good, do your thing, your way. And the, and the way to do that is to just remove any filter. Yeah. So if Kitty feels weird stood in front of a £10,000 microphone with headphones <laughs> on being really calm and yeah. focused. Don't, yeah. Don't do, do yeah, yeah, he said like Trent Reznor doing Nine Inch Nails did the same thing, just a, just a handheld mic in the, in the uh, control room, volume up really loud and just go fucking crazy. And I... Yeah deal with the sonic problems later get the performance down yeah and that's what we did and it meant kitty could just fully emotionally engage with the track like and not have to worry about anything else and we just you take it for like the warts and all thing it is yeah. so at the end of like a song like animal mm. you can hear the microphone like hitting the wall as kitty was like in such a like chaotic headspace that she's like thrashing around singing it and then just threw the mic across the room yeah. and that's on the track you know that's in there. Like you just live with it. And it, 
to me that's exciting because it's a real moment captured you can't contrive that stuff yeah no definitely i mean that that's that's amazing i mean i've i've often let like give my sort of like advice to musicians when they are recording and things like that like you say is like if that's where you feel your comfort zone is like you don't need i think i've saved a lot of people a lot of money in the past yeah <laughs> it's like yeah, you don't need that good. that 10 you know let's say ten thousand pound microphone yeah. one thousand pound microphone you can use the the sure 58 you can yeah. use the 57 yeah. if you prefer you know to get that kind of more like you know um yeah. different sound um yeah you don't need like it's even like with podcasting and stuff I and mean, right here i got given this microphone for my birthday yeah. so it's a little over a hundred pounds um yeah. but you know it it does it, it it's improved the thing but before that it was an sm58 yeah yeah just, a, with a thing on it so you don't need like a lot of people would sort of do get locked away in a studio and think i need to keep buying every time mm. we go up and then keep buying and you spend all this money and then it's kind of like it's not really made mm. that much of a yeah. difference on that front There's, we're big fans of, we're really big fans of jack white and the projects that he's always been mm. with, like the white stripes yeah. dead weather and his stuff and he's someone i mean if you look at the white stripes early stuff his whole thing was like the limitations are what makes it it's it, you know, yeah. he's like, he's like, what happens if we just try and record on this, like out of tune vintage stuff, but not vintage in a kind of classy or vintage as in a genuine junk shop, just broken stuff. Yeah. Like it creates a thing, you know, it forces you to be creative. And I, I'm, I'm really kind of subscribed to that concept that you, take the tools around you rather than wishing that you had a better amp, a better guitar, a bigger yeah. studio, a better producer. Go, well, this is what we've got. Yeah. There's no excuses. Let's make something for it. Cause much better records have been made on yeah. less. You yeah. Know? yeah. So just, just embrace it. Don't wish for what you haven't got and be the moment. We did the same with vampire when we recorded that EP that was done during lockdown. And we were like, well, we could wait for lockdown to finish and get together and make a record. We're like, no, let's, let's write something and record something now and see let's what, see, yeah, let's see, see what, what the limitations during yeah. a pandemic sound like, you mm. know, when we couldn't rehearse the songs and we had to like, you know, turn up in the studio. And that was the first time, well, first time we'd all seen each other in months, yeah. Yeah, let alone like played the songs we we're about to record. Yeah. And yeah. it was interesting to us to be like, well, this mm. is what that sounds like. That's yeah. what art is. You yeah. know, you use capturing of like a moment, isn't it? Yeah. A good artist will use the tools at hands you know, to yeah. create something. Definitely, definitely. I mean, look at sort of like classic, I say classic music, 60s, 70s, and they're all recorded on a four-track mm-hmm. tape recorder, if you will. Um, and you listen to uh, like early Beatles, Jimi Hendrix, stuff like that, and it's all recorded, but it sounds really Sounds good. great. And it's all that they had at the time. You know, they mm-hmm. could have done a live, like a bigger live recording maybe, but the four tracks, that's what you need. As long as you, you know, you've got yeah. your instrument to where you want it to be. And it's mm-hmm. co- cohesive with the rest of your group. Um, you've, got, you've, got, like, you've got to do the work before you get into the studio. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, definitely. Had, they had to be like immaculate because there was yeah. no fixing anything. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's something we definitely um, admire a lot. Is yeah. like do the work before you get to the point of like recording it. Yeah. Um, so that when you're doing it, you can throw yourself into the performance without kind of thinking about anything else. And a lot of those limitations... It's not just like, oh, okay, so sonically it's compromised, live with it. It's like, okay, no, it's going to be sonically compromised. So what can we do with it that's different, that's creative? So like, okay, so we've got this like 
I don't know, like those bands recording on four track. What happens if we try and do this thing? What happens if we put our finger on the tape as it's going round and slow it down and yeah. see create something new out of it? I think um, and Nine Inch Nails and Sean Bevan. Uh, that's what always attracted me to Nine Inch Nails was with all of the tools that uh, Trent Reznor's disposal to make incredibly hi-fi music. Yeah. He made downward spiral that sounds like just a hellscape, yep. you know, um, that is just so dirty and so uncompromising. And I love that. There's not one guitar sound, drum sound or vocal sound that's conventional. Everything is always unusual. And I, I love that. Yeah. Excellent. I mean, that's sort of like something I've gone through as well of like, uh, like, because I was the DJ in the band, I've got the turntable and shit behind me. But mm. um, like just manipulating sound, like mm-hmm. it could be anything from someone else's record to a, a battle record that DJs use for scratching and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and just sort of yeah, just utilizing those noises, those sounds, those you know droning noises or high pitched squeals and so, and integrating that into the music and just making it you know making it yours and just like yeah. like say using it basically it's a piece of vinyl. And a yeah. needle that, <laughs> and then someone yeah. else is kind of like they got sound on it. But um, yeah, no, that's really cool. But um, you guys are, um, it's quite. I'm quite excited about the UK kind of like contingent of bands at the moment. You guys are part of this, along with mm. um, like I think I mentioned them earlier, uh, Seething Akira, um, Nova Twins, Black Gold, uh, Sleep Token, uh, Wargasm, mm. um, trying, uh, Trash Boat. There's a few bands mm. kind of like that are gaining a lot of momentum. Um, but what I love is it's being led by a bunch of British bands from back in, like I'd say my day of being in, or even your day in plastic toys, uh, <laughs> uh, the likes of like enter Shikari, bring me the horizon bullet for my Valentine skin. I mean, skin dread today releasing their album. Um, yeah. and, and they're pulling you. Uh, do you feel that pull for those guys? Cause I see this kind of like they're taking, bands like yours out on tour with them so they've got i think they've got black gold going out with them they had wargasm with them i think recently um mm-hmm. and like uh shikari have had various bands on there bullet yeah. as well stuff like that and it, i it just feels because back when i was back in that like back i'll say 15 20 years ago i didn't feel that from the sort of bigger bands that we had at that point mm-hmm. i don't yeah, think there I were think- many heavy like there were classic metal bands if you will but I don't feel there were any, like, I think it was just some, we were creating our own path again. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of it is down to the fact that bands are kind of curating their own supports more. Mm. I think 15, 20 years ago, it was really common to go and watch a headline band and the opening band were, it was like they're from a different planet, like let alone like a different genre. It was, the mismatches that were thrown together were just insane. Mm. And it was because someone had made a decision that was not, didn't get it. They weren't part of the scene. They weren't part of the creative like process. Yeah. I think a lot more like the bands are being asked, you know, who, who would you like to take out? Yeah. I think as well, like, you know, people don't really have a lot of money. Yeah. Um, with you know, going through this cost of living crisis. So if you're spending like, you know, a good amount of money on a ticket for a show, you know, for people, that's a, that's a really big deal. Yeah. Mm. And I think bands, you know, they, they now need to create a whole evening of entertainment mm. so that, you know, people are getting their money's worth for their, for their ticket. Cause mm. it's, you know, it's a big deal for people to splash out, you know, what, like 50, 60, 70 quid on a ticket mm. for these big, 
big shows. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think the band feel responsibility to like provide like this whole, you know, great night's worth of en- entertainment. Yeah. That, yep. that yeah. makes, you know, it's not just like sewing yeah. together. Yeah. I think that's part of it as well. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I mean, there there is definitely kind of like, a sort of scene kind of like bubbling up and mm-hmm. going like, and it's, I think from our point of view, we always, we've always felt like perennial kind of like outsiders to everything. Like we, it's, it's not something we're like choosing or anything. It's just, we are such control freaks about our creative output that um, we, that's always our focus is like, what does the music sound like? What's our live show going to be? Yeah. The kind of like being pub scene thing, that's other people's decision. That's like the way press and the fans and everything work and if if people see us as part of that that's great and if the scene stops we're going to keep going you know it's I, I i feel like i feel like scenes are these temporary moments in time yeah and the bands all the bands involved see themselves as permanent you know mm. no one goes instinct going i just want to be part of this scene and when the scene ends i'm happy to stop yeah everyone Part of it because they're a lifer for music yeah the scene is the scene is created by like fans and and other people and we we can't have any control over that and it's great if there's something coming up at the moment and people are able to discover new music that's that's the ultimate gun skin dread took us out on tour um and we we got on really well with those guys they'd yeah. seen us at the download pilot and really liked it and um took us out and that was an amazing thing. And then we've just been on tour with Monster Magnetic Keys yep. wearing their hat. And uh, <laughs> again, that was a great experience, you know, full, res- like we got total respect from those guys. They were like, you've warmed up our crowd better than we could ever have imagined, you nice. know, like at night after night. And that's great. Like we're playing our part. They're playing their part and taking us out. And it creates something exciting for people who, as Kitty said, are paying hard earned money to go and enjoy music. So, yeah put something good on yeah no definitely definitely i was going to ask you about the monster magnet tour and stuff and how that went but mm. you just told me it went great so that's all yeah. good um yeah. and and obviously skin dread and stuff huge i'm a massive fan of those guys like mm. back from when you know i played with them in front of 10 people in birmingham mm. at whatever i can't remember the name of the pub but it burnt down um <laughs> we played the underworld in london in front of like 20 yeah. people with them back in the day and now we're watching them head that's about to headline wembley next year yeah. like that's just amazing which is amazing so uh, inspiring for yeah. me and like our band because skindred have like grafted for like they 20 have. years mm, and not have. got the recognition that they deserve at all mm-hmm. um, and it's just so inspiring to see four people lifers you know yeah. commit to it and just continue and, and inch forward and, mm-hmm. and grind 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 yeah, like I, mean, I just yeah, yeah it's like amazing to watch a, a lot yeah. of bands yeah. would have would have i mean members would have changed at least at this point mm-hmm. yeah, those yeah. four throughout you know any differences they may have had behind doors or whatever if they've had any that is um but you know they've they've kept going and yeah. and that's that's in spot that is inspiring that is like you know eventually it's paid off like everyone's always yeah. said to them oh, you should be huge <laughs> and they had yeah. momentum at one point with that first album and second album i think it was they had like us and everything kind of big mm-hmm. tour supports then they had some mm-hmm. issues with whatever part of the corporate part of it um mm-hmm. and they had to start again yeah and um it's 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 like they've just kept going i mean i've seen them I saw them, obviously I've seen them multiple times, but I saw them in another country as well because I lived in the States for a bit 
and mm-hmm. uh, they played in the local sort of like city town area that I lived in. And yeah. so I went to go see them there, and it was it was great to see their show in a different place, like yeah. well, probably well out of a, a level of the comfort zone, but still rock the room. Yeah, like, yeah, and, yeah. and it, it's it's totally it, it's a totally different perspective. Obviously, you mm. guys played abroad and stuff like that, and it, it's just like you know, it is a different thing there. Some places so can be you know difficult. So yeah, as soon as you. You know, when we started this band, we were playing in London pretty much exclusively. Mm. And London, you realise, is its own thing. And as soon as we went outside of London, like in in London, we were seen as like a rock band, almost like a dirty word, because at that time it was kind of like really, deemed really uncool to like go for it on stage and yeah. maybe have like guitar solos and things like that. It was everything was very posy and very kind of psychedelic and kind of pretending you didn't want to be there, you know. Um, and we just didn't do that. And But then when we went outside, we, so we were almost seen as like old school. And then we went outside of London and started playing. And we were seen as this like weird, freakish, arty, arty yeah. band. And we realised like that <laughs> in the 25 like, barrier, there's just such a huge change. And yeah. then once you cross over into mainland Europe, it's so different again. And each country has its own musical culture. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you play, you play a show in in uh i don't know you do do a show in glasgow or something like that and you do a 45 minute set in like a kind of pub and everyone's like having a great time and it's totally fine you go and do a 45 minute set in the exact same kind of place in germany mm. and the crowd afterwards are like why have you played such a short set like yeah. what you should be playing for like an hour and a half and at this point we had we only had 40 minutes worth of music when yeah. we were doing our first tour and like but the culture is there that when you play these small shows yep. you play like you're a stadium band and you do an hour and a half you yeah. know and we were like well we didn't know that that's the culture that you have to kind of <laughs> do it so then you've got to figure out when you tour there i remember there was one festival we played and they said um we want you to do an hour and a half and we were like you know this was where this was years ago so we'd, we'd only we only had silvertown mm. if even that at that point yeah I remember. yeah um we did not have an hour and a half's worth of music yeah and we were like well like we can do an hour and 15 minutes as a compromise yeah and fuck me like we had to add in jam sections <laughs> yeah yeah uh, speeches between songs just extend <laughs> Yeah, maximum like ten songs. Yeah. We had to just extend it. Yeah, we were play- it was in Switzerland, and I got I thought I'll just play something. Too. So I just I talked about Roger Federer on stage, <laughs> and got the whole crowd just cheering for about Roger Federer for like five minutes just to eat up some time. They, they yeah. could have carried on for way longer with the Roger Federer stuff. They yeah. loved they, it. They love that. They love that guy. Yeah. That is yeah. amazing. I love that. I love that. You go to a jazz odyssey or something. The yeah, spinal tap. That's pretty much what we have yeah. to do. <laughs> well, I've got a couple of questions left for you because I can see I'm limited on time with my free Zoom subscription. Um, um, but yeah, I've just got a couple of questions. I'll let you guys get on with the rest of your day um, on that front. But um, so what these are questions I generally ask everyone that comes on the show, but I'd like to find out your top three albums, not necessarily your most favorite albums in the whole world, but the three albums that are the most pivotal to you. So mm-hmm. the album that made you want to be in a band, the album that made you want to do play guitar, sing, etc., um, or something poignant that kind of just changed the the ones that changed your path, if you will, mm-hmm. if you can select, if you can get to three, um, yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> really, really. That is, I mean, yeah, that's like, a lot of <laughs> uh, I mean, a pivotal, a pivotal record 
as I said earlier, like yeah. Nine Inch Nails, the Diamond Sparrow's Pivotal Record. I remember hearing that for the first time and finding it quite hard to listen to, but being like really intrigued by it. Yeah. And then just put it on and I realized that I had to listen to it properly. And I like sat between my speakers yes. like to get, you know, and was like, I was in awe of like what was going on, not just in the music, but like in the mix and stuff that, that yeah. was a really big thing, like how creative that was. And mm. it was a big moment. Nice. Um, the thing that made me want to play guitar wasn't a record, but it was a film. It was Back to the Future. Oh, um, nice. When, when Martin McFly plays Johnny Be Good in Back to the Future. Yeah. Uh, and he kicks over the amp and, like, just acts like a total, like, punk rocker at this, like, 1950s, like, rhythm and blues dance. That was a very <laughs> influential thing on me. Like, which, which John likes to bring up in pretty much every interview. Yeah. Well, that's amazing. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> The truth i can't change the truth you know yeah uh, that was a hugely influential thing that made me go i want to play guitar so it seemed exciting and, and rebellious and achievable to yeah. just be like you go up on stage and shock people a bit with the volume and the excitement yeah nice for me because it was more like i was growing up in like indie landfill times yep. so it was a great time to be honest for music um but uh the records uh was the Kills Midnight Boom was like massively uh, influential on me and, and the same um, Yeah Yeah Yeah's the record it split yep. and I think it's because I was kind of for the first time as like a young woman uh, you know just becoming a teenager yeah um, seeing women doing things like on their own terms yeah. and uh, you know creating creating music create, like being very much like leading from the front and that was like really really interesting to me i was like nice. very intrigued by that excellent um, yeah cool yeah i think that's three records or yeah, three just things about three things yeah. <laughs> that's all right um uh what are your uh what, what are your hobbies away from the band obviously i can probably tell you do the band all the time yeah. but yeah. do you have anything else that you kind of very like fun. when you need to step away yeah we all three of us surf in the band okay. um, and i is like just absolutely incredible I mean, he's John, an insanely good surfer very much not but it's something we enjoyed again together we are like, keen together. amateurs yeah. <laughs> yeah. we cook a lot we like me and john are both really into food and cooking um, yeah yeah but to be like like to be honest like not really because this is all consuming yeah mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> you do anything else yeah yeah <laughs> it's yeah those those things are kind of like there's an escape in those that's kind of important to st- step away briefly but uh you know it's it is all consuming we if we have free time we just as soon as we we're not having to do a job related to the band we're like okay cool we've got time to write something now Mm. so we'll write something nice cool well uh john kitty thank you very much i really appreciate your time today um good luck with the album um it's already out people go find it on all the all the platforms you can yeah, get it yeah. vinyl, CD, streaming. Yeah. Do you have a cassette? Mm. Or have you not gone that far yet? No, no, no cassettes. Cool. No. Um, I'm taking yeah. you've got T-shirts and everything as well. So people go buy stuff, support these bands, yeah. um, all that good stuff. But um, yeah, hopefully I'll t- catch you guys. I know you got, we didn't get much time to speak about it, but I know you got some dates coming up in October, November. So yeah. people can go to your website, look out for your tour. Um, you're playing over Halloween and such. So I'm assuming mm. there'll be nice horror induced shows maybe yeah we'll see we'll see see. and hopefully you will release the firestar 
Prodigy cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make many promises. No. <laughs> well, if you do, um, I'll certainly be playing it in the club and uh, in the on the radio and stuff. So, um, yeah, cool. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, have a good rest of your day. And yeah, um, yeah thank you very much again. Cheers, mate. Thank, thank you very much. Nice.